0: Thanks for listening to the Jazz Joe Hall Show podcast. Today on the pod, it's not an issue of technical challenges, but one of priorities. We'll continue our Bright Night's train cancellation coverage as the Park Board offers no real explanation for its Christmas surprise. Plus, how long does it take? Why won't government make daylight savings time permanent? Plus, our rap panel weighs in on the current state of cinema and what needs to change. Plus, we give away our last set of tickets for Brian Adams' November 12th concert. That's all on the Jazz Joe Hall Show podcast. Today, Park Board Commissioner Stuart um, McKinnon, on behalf of all commissioners, sent a letter of apology to the leaders of the Musqueam, the Squamish, and tsleil Now, the letter apologized for the Park Board's actions and inactions uh, in relation to colonialism and the harm inflicted on the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh peoples, both historically and in the uh, present day. Now, the board says it hopes today's apology forms one more step on the road towards reconciliation. Now, that's fair enough we emailed uh, Mr. McKinnon to chat about the apology and the cancellation of the Stanley Park Bright Night train. He said he was not available, even though his name and his contact information was on the very press release that they sent. Now, the cancellation of the Bright Night's train was announced yesterday, just days before the new park board will be uh, sworn in. The train was pulled from service earlier this year due to mechanical issues with the antique engines and passenger cars, which forced uh, officials also to cancel the uh, Stanley Park Ghost Train event for the third Halloween season in a row. Now, the vintage train normally carries families past the many glowing displays. And as you all know out there, it is a hugely popular event, not just in the city of Vancouver and Vancouver proper, but throughout the region. Now, Brights Night was also cancelled in 2020 because of the COVID 19 pandemic. And it was also cut short in 2021 after someone stole the main power source for the attraction. Uh, but let's not, uh, let there be no doubt what is happening here today as you listen to them tell you that it's about technical issues. For me, this is yet another glaring reminder that ideology uh, has been prioritized over common sense and not priorities. The technical challenge that the park board clings to is just another excuse. Other cities in Metro Vancouver have have similar trains that run on time and are always available for kids and parents to enjoy and build their Christmas memories. So let's focus on this so-called outdated vintage equipment issue. Yesterday we were joined by Global BC anchor and reporter Jordan Armstrong. Listen as he takes apart that argument.
1: This is a very, very common type of miniature railroad. If it's not the most common in North America, it's certainly one of them. There are hundreds of the type operating all over North America, including in British Columbia. Essentially, Jazz, it's the Honda Civic of miniature railroads. Uh, I do understand that Stanley Park operates a smaller track gauge. However, the company that makes this railroad, uh, Chance Rides, out of Wichita, Kansas, they're still marketing this product so i think it's a bit of a stretch for the park board to say this is just a case of vintage outdated equipment
0: so that was jordan armstrong from global bc talking about the first concern now about corrosion and damage now let's look at the second issue which is supposedly overgrown vegetation take a listen to jordan once again
1: they gave three main reasons for not passing the train in inspection number one is corrosion and damage to both track lines and rail cars. Number two, and I think a lot of our listeners will find this interesting, is overgrown vegetation disrupting sight lines and decaying infrastructure. The second reason Technical Safety BC failed the train was because they didn't cut the vegetation and didn't maintain that properly. And I know what we've been hearing from our listeners for months now, that they've been seeing that, in many parks all over Vancouver. It doesn't seem like the park maintenance is what it once was.
0: So, you know, those two main issues can easily be dealt with. I mean, for me, that park, and it represents what what happened yesterday, what we heard yesterday actually represents what we've been hearing at City Hall. Both these institutions have to go back to basics. They they have chosen ideology over priorities. And the priorities for citizens is making sure that train runs for Halloween, and for Christmas, because it's about building memories. They instead focus on other issues. Politics, bike lanes, those types of things. Decolonization, I think that's very important. Reconciliation, very important. But doesn't mean the city and the park is neglected. Those are the very basic things as citizens we are asking for. Now, one person who is pushing back to basics approach at Vancouver Park Board is Bonnie McKenzie with the group Stanley Park for All. She joins us now. Bonnie, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. What do you think this represents for you in regards to the um, overarching challenges of Stanley Park? The biggest thing
2: for for us, for Stanley Park for All, our little grassroots uh, movement here, is that we want the uh, elected park officials to live up to their election promises and to open up the park to everyone, to make it accessible to everyone, which includes the disabled, People, um, families, seniors, the businesses, get the businesses back working and getting the cars back in the park so that everything, it can be back to the way it was before uh, the previous park board commissioners shut it down. And that's what the current park board commissioners campaigned on. That is what they promised the citizens of, of vancouver and british columbia and that is what we are expecting them to live up to now there are other comments that they made as well about what they were going to do in the park and as i say um i'm hoping that they they now have an opportunity as coming in clean to act with integrity to live up and to the promises that they made their election campaign and i would hope to see that they do that
0: Uh, Is there any indication that they're not going to at this point? I mean, they haven't even been sworn in. It'll be Monday, and you you do expect them to move forward with with what they said.
2: Yes, I do. I haven't any indication that they're not going to. Um, I really, as I said, time will tell. We will certainly be monitoring them. Um, and hoping that uh, reminding them again of what they did promise, if they start to deviate or, or stray from it, I know they're going to have challenges. I know that people are going to um, have other opinions on what should be happening with the park, and and that is fine. Everyone, that is perfect. That's what a democracy is all about. However, these people did campaign and did get elected on a certain platform, and it is incumbent upon them to. Um, live up to the promises that they made and to honour them. Uh,
0: in regards to the last decade or so at, at, at the park and what, what has transpired, what are the bigger bigger challenges that you see that need to be addressed? For our audience, explain what you say, when the, the changes that you'd like to see. What specifically are those?
2: Okay. Well, specifically, over the last decade, the park... Um, Stanley Park and the Parks Board itself have been totally unfunded so the maintenance hasn't been happening they've been looking at uh, doing all types of other things that sort of is not what I would consider their core mandate which is park and recreation and I think that's what they need to get back to what has happened here is that the previous uh, incumbents had decided that they wanted to put in a bike lane around Stanley Park now Everyone needs to be aware. The cyclists are still currently using the seawall. So there's cyclists are still able to cycle around the park. There's no problem there. What they wanted to do was to to get them off the seawall and get them on the roadway. And by doing that, they eliminated one lane of traffic. And by doing that, they also eliminated all the parking. They eliminated disabled parking. They eliminated parking for the restaurants and the commercial venues in the park. So the result was that you had very few people going into the park. They couldn't park there. The disabled couldn't get out and uh, use the the handicapped parking. Everything was gone. They lost over $20,000 a year in revenue because they lost the parking. And then the businesses had to shut down because they didn't have any patrons. And then added to that, when the traffic did resume over nice long weekends in the summer, you had such congestion that they started putting up signs at the beginning of, at the front of every bridge coming into Vancouver saying, avoid Stanley Park because of congestion, use an alternate route. So that further damaged not only um, the reputation of Vancouver and the jewel of our city um, for tourists, but it also just put another nail in the coffin of the businesses in the park. So what we want and what ABC uh, campaigned on is that they will take out that bike lane. They will restore the traffic to two lanes. They will restore the parking, and they will hopefully get the businesses back and running. Accessibility will be given to everyone in Vancouver, including families with kids and picnic stuff and the beaches and um, the disabled and seniors and all types of other people so that the park will be back to the way that it was before they decided to put in that bike lane and totally disrupt what we had. And um, that's what we're looking forward to, and we're hoping that by doing that and getting back to focusing on their basics, which they said they would be doing, that they'll start maintaining the park, um, improve the signage, uh, clean the washrooms, clean up the beaches, put lifeguards in. Like I'm, There's all types of things that they really need to do, not only in this park, but in other parks.
0: Bonnie, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it.
2: Well, thank you very much, as I appreciate the opportunity to be able to speak with you.
0: So let's talk a little bit about um, news out of Ontario. Um, Ontario's preemptive use of the Notwithstanding Clause in Legislation Uh, is intended to prevent a strike by education workers, is a dangerous and draconian move that could have implications for labor negotiations, negotiations across the country, according to many experts. The Progressive Conservative government passed legislation yesterday that imposes a contract um, on education workers of the Canadian Union of Public Employees and bans them from striking. The legislation says the government uh, intends to invoke the notwithstanding clause to keep the eventual law enforced despite any constitutional challenges. Now, it's the first time in, on, in Ontario's history and just the second time in Canadian history that the controversial clause, which allows the legislature to override parts of the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms for a five-year term has been used in back-to-work legislation. Joining me now to talk about the implications of the strike and the mood in Ontario is Colin DeMello. He's the Queen's Park Bureau Chief for Global News Toronto. Colin, thank you for joining us today. Hi, thank you for having me. So just give me a sense of what the mood's like in Ontario. I saw some of the images out of um, the legislature yesterday with teachers uh, yelling at the premier and elected officials within uh, Queen's Park there. What is the mood today uh, in your province?
3: Well, it really depends on who you talk to, right? I mean, if you talk to parents... Uh, they are uh, upset, and, and I don't know if they necessarily know where to direct their uh, anger towards the government or towards the uh, education support workers for for you know this this strike, this walkout, this political protest. Uh, on the other hand, you've got you know fifty five thousand education support workers in the province, and unions at large um, who are extremely upset with the Ford government here in Ontario because. They feel like the government has overstepped, has used what some have said is a sledgehammer on a pushpin, and it's created, in some people's view, a dangerous precedent for all public sector unions in Ontario. And so there is an immense amount of pressure on the Ford government to, first of all, to have not passed this legislation, which they did yesterday, and to now maybe rescind this legislation um, because a lot of people feel like overriding the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms for collective bargaining is an inappropriate use of the notwithstanding clause.
0: Is there any other legislation that the Premier uh, could have used, his party could have used uh, to deal with this situation rather than the notwithstanding clause?
3: Well, typically once talks break down and break down for good, uh, you know, the government could send it to binding arbitration. The problem with that, I think, from the government's perspective is that sometimes binding arbitration leads to a higher wage settlement uh, for the union itself. The other thing they could have done was they could have you know, used Ontario precedent. Back in 2012, the former Liberal government here in Ontario had tabled similar legislation. They imposed a contract and they uh, sent those workers or they outlawed a strike. What happened in that case, though, was that the government was taken to court, and the government lost, and the unions were awarded hundreds of millions of dollars in compensation as a result. So I think it's that last part that the Ford government here in Ontario wanted to avoid. They didn't want to be sued over this legislation, so they invoked a notwithstanding clause to say, okay, you know, notwithstanding your, your charter rights, your freedom of association rights, we are going to implement this legislation, and you are not allowed to take us to court. Uh, Therefore, there might not be a settlement in the future. Uh,
0: What is the mood of parents? I mean, uh, uh, Premier Ford has said that, look, this is about uh, understanding and and listening to the needs of parents. That's why I'm doing this. Um, Does he have the support of sort of the broad public that may not follow the minutia of daily politics?
3: Yeah, well, I've been hearing from you know sources about their internal polling, and the premier seems to have polling that indicates that you know parents want to keep schools open, and and so I think that's why you've been hearing a lot of the the, the messaging coming out of this government to that effect that you know we want to keep schools open. They're on the side of children, they're on the side of parents to keep schools open. Uh, you have to understand the context here. Ontario had. Uh, closed classrooms for a total of, you know, more than twenty weeks in Ontario during the pandemic. That was more than, uh, you know, any jurisdiction in North America. And kids really suffered as a result. Mm. Recently, we saw provincial standardized test scores that showed a drop in mathematics, as an example. And so the, the, the province is very cognizant of that. It was their own doing, of course, closing classrooms for more than 20 weeks. And so now they're, they're trying to help students maintain whatever uh, education they have while catching up on whatever education they may have lost on. Mm. And that's why they're particularly sensitive here. And so parents, yes, they want schools to open. And we haven't really been able to kind of canvas or do polling on parents to see which side they're landing on now. But we're at the beginning of what could be a prolonged strike and that that mood can shift. And we don't know whether it's going to shift in the favor of the education support workers or in the favor of the Ford
0: government. Colin, thank you so much for your time today, my friend. I know you've been a little under, under the weather. Really appreciate you making time for us. Yeah, my pleasure. Well, a new $9 million ride is coming to Playland and it's being called Canada's fast, fastest launch coaster. The Pacific National Exhibition made the announcement today saying the multi-million dollar coaster will feature an opening tunnel, 18-meter first drop, airtime hills and plenty of other features. Uh, the president and CEO of uh, the PNE, uh, Shelley Frost, uh, spoke at the press conference today. Here's her comments.
4: The
5: Pacific National Exhibition has entered into an agreement to purchase the largest single-ride investment in Playlands history. This coaster will be the fastest of its kind in North America. It will have over 1,200 feet of track, and it is going to rise and drop from almost six stories in the air.
0: Joining me now to talk about this new ride is Laura Bounds. She was the Media Relations Manager for the PNE. Laura, welcome. Thank you. Thank you
5: for having me. It's a great day for us here at Playland.
0: How long um, have you been planning uh, in regards to just uh, in regards to the idea and the purchase and the deal being signed in regards to this particular uh, coaster?
5: In the lead up to COVID, we had been talking actively. We had decommissioned uh, the corkscrew roller coaster, uh, which had been a real favorite in the park, but it had reached its end of end of life so we had taken that ride down and we're actively talking about a an anchor attraction um that would that would have a strong business case for the park moving forward and then jazz as you know you and i've talked many times over the last two and a half three years about the devastating effect of covid on our organization so you know i think many of us believed in the early days that uh of covid that this was a dream that was not going to come Come to fruition, and then um, the magic of the you know the people of British Columbia embracing our organization took hold, and we we saw beginning with the drive-through events, this this surge of uh, support for the p and as we've emerged from COVID, you know, in 2022, the response from the public in all aspects of our business, whether it was uh, the return of this year's fair, Playland amusement park, our our year-round events has been overwhelming and it's allowed us to move into a financial position to make this investment. So it's been, I think, a combination of years in the making and years in the dreaming. Um, And I think uh, today's announcement really does plant a flag in the sand for the future of the organization and, and of a new and renewed Playland amusement park.
0: Uh, how long will it take to build uh, this particular um, new coaster?
5: Our plan opening is early 2024. So it's a bit, it's a major, major structure. It is state-of-the-art technology. As you mentioned, it's the fastest of its kind. It, is, it has something called LSM technology, which is linear synchronous motor. I don't know. Um, <laughs> you know, Engineers and ride designers, one of the fellows that was on site today is the head of Global Roller Coasters, which is quite the title for Zemperla. And Perla is one of the foremost ride design and construction companies in the world, and they're certainly known the world over in our industry for their roller coasters. And um, he is so excited because... In just a week from now, we are going to be traveling to IAPA, which is the um, international um, amusement park um, industry gathering. 20,000 people from amusement parks all over the world get together, and they will be unveiling uh, this technology at, at that event. So a lot of interest from around the world, around North America, and seeing what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. And the ride itself is very exciting.
0: Uh, in regards to attendance, you talked about um, it coming back strongly. Uh, speak to me a little bit about the PNE attendance specifically during the fair, and then the Playland's uh, attendance. Just to remind us as to how well you did, let's say prior to COVID, and what you did this year
5: yeah so um this year we we had a strong return to the fair um people uh, may remember we we implemented daily ride uh capacities for both playland uh during the fair as well as as the actual p and e fair um, uh, which was a holdover from from our covid planning um, uh, you know it was something that was very well received during the covid time period when we had our return um, uh, return to a scaled up uh, fair, and so we we kept that uh, um, we kept that going this year, and it, and it was very successful. And to be honest, we built a fair where we weren't sure how how the public was going to respond. And and a year from now, or eighteen months ago, sorry, a year or eighteen months ago, I don't think any of us really knew what COVID was going to look like, and so. Um, it, was, um, it was very, very encouraging for us in, and almost overwhelming in some capacity um, uh, to see how well the public responded. And so we actually had a number of sellout days during the 2022 fair. So that was quite exciting.
0: Now, I was, I was just as I was um, reading up on the coaster a little bit and uh, reading some old articles about revitalizing the Playland property itself. Now, to my understanding, it's about 15 acres in size. There yep. was at one time quite a bit of conversation about revamping all of it, expanding it, I think even up to 22 acres. And then, of course, COVID hit. Where we are? Where are we in regards to expansion, potential expansion, what what Playland could look like in the years ahead?
5: You know, um, we had been talking and building a model, um, looking at a major theme park uh, renovation to to the site where it would become less an amusement park, more of a theme park. And I think um, during COVID, again, we were thinking that that dream was a long ways off. But I think now um, the P&E has a strong... Mandate um, we are focused in on our new amphitheater project that's going to be the first of the two major um, infrastructure upgrades in our on our site and so that'll be occurring and beginning you know we're at the design phase now um, and following that, I think what we'll see is is we will get serious about the next uh, the next in iteration of what began as Happyland, be, then became Playland, and and will move to um, more of a theme park, a major theme park. So uh,
0: when you said amphitheater, is, correct me if I'm wrong, is that 10,000 seats potentially for that?
5: Uh, yeah, it's in and around that size. It's uh, sweet. Um, just a complete... Um restoration of that facility and and a new vision for how that site uh, that area of the site can work we're very excited about it and it's it, that is another uh project that's gosh it's ten years in the making
0: yeah well I'm just looking at some of the renderings of what playland could potentially look like when you move mm-hmm. to Um, uh, sort of into the future uh, in regards to sort of the whole theme park that you've talked about. There's actually uh, pitch-and-pot golf and lots of other things potentially that could be there. I mean, with a a growing city with 2.5 million people and potentially hitting 4 million by 2040, it is something that's still in the heart of the city that is needed, I would think, over the long term. And nobody that I've ever heard of has complained about it, so wish. wish Playland wasn't there. So there's lots of opportunity for growth for certainly.
5: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we're, I believe, still the number one family attraction in British Columbia. And, uh, you know, it has been something, I mean, the Playland in its various forms go right back to the original fair in 1910. Um, and, you know, today it's been in its current form since the mid-1950s as far as its footprint. And, um, and you know, and the rides such as the Playland Wooden Coaster. So, I think that, um, you know, the planning will begin in earnest on that in the coming years as we uh, move through the amphitheater project.
0: Well, it's going to be very interesting. And just to confirm, in regards to the roller coaster, you have not yet chosen a name.
5: No, we haven't. Uh, That'll be the next phase. Uh, We still got, I mean, it won't open until early 2024 our marketing team will be um, looking at, at appropriate names. It's the largest single investment we've ever made at Playland, hmm. and so we want to we want it to be um, the right fit, the right name. We really want it to be a signature of the park, and we want British Columbia to see see themselves reflected back in this ride. So. Um, I I could imagine
0: that there may be some contests and stuff for ideas to name it. (laughs) Absolutely. When you spend $9 million, you've got to really think about what that name is going to be. That's for sure. (laughs) You're going (laughs) to want to like it for a while. Exactly. Because
5: the folks that named the Playland Wooden Coaster, the Uh Playland Wooden Coaster, weren't exactly the pinnacle of creative (laughs) in the day.
0: (laughs) But (laughs) it's lasted and it's beloved, right?
5: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you don't mess with that. But um, yeah, it's kind of funny because sometimes I get... uh, amusement industry publications, and they'll say to me, so your wooden roller coaster, what's its name? And I'm like, the wooden
0: roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> and that, of course, is staying. The upkeep is continuing. That that yep. still remains.
5: Yeah, we also spent a million bucks on that over the last 18 months, getting it ready for the next, hopefully, 50 years of its life. It's As a living coaster, it's actually um, with really good maintenance, and it's I dare to say it's probably the most highly maintained ride in the country, Um, you know, that you are able to replace wood and and get an exceptionally long lifespan out of that. It's a national treasure, in my opinion, and I hope it's around forever.
0: Hey, quick question. Do you think any of those people who do the maintenance on that wooden roller coaster could help with the train in Stanley Park?
5: (laughs) 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 <laughs> I'm sure somebody could have over the last few years. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. I should have said that, but I, I'm i glad I said that. There you go. <laughs> Thanks, Jazz. Have Laura, a great weekend. A, Thank you for
5: having us on and for your guys' ongoing support of our little organization out here in East Van.
0: Hey, no problem. Have yourself a wonderful weekend, Laura. You too. Bye-bye now. This week on The Wrap, we look at government finally making daylight savings permanent. Will it ever happen? And the atrocious state of uh, state of cinema. And what should we do to fix uh, our movie-going experience? Joining us today is our regular rap panel. Leah Live is a TV reporter and radio host. And Sarah Daniels is a real estate agent in South Surrey. She's an author and broadcaster as well. Leah, Sarah, welcome. Hi, guys. Welcome back. <laughs> Come back. There you go. Well, it's no secret that British Columbians, most of the world, are not huge fans of springing forward or falling back every year. And while we certainly echo these sentiments, daylight savings time will return to BC this week, so get ready to turn your clocks back. Uh, let me start with you, Leah. First, uh, how big of a deal is it for you to to fall back or spring forward? Does it bother you this, the the daylight savings time?
4: As uh, somebody with insomnia, heck, yes. So, oh, wow. I mean. It really affects your internal clock, right? You're you're sleeping, going to bed, it's lighter, darker. It just really messes up your internal clock. It really affects a lot of stuff. It also increased risk of heart attacks, right? And strokes and accidents. It's just, I don't know. To me, I'm I'm ready to be done with it. I think let's keep it the same forever because also animals, you know, my cats are like begging at me to feed them, and I'm like, it's not dinner time yet, you know. So I don't know. It affects so much and it really causes a lot of havocs for people and on the roads when it's darker you can't see pedestrians because they're dark right and it's i don't know to me i think we can get rid of it and it'd be nice like if the whole world did it so then we could all understand what time zone everybody's in
0: how long have you been dealing with insomnia
4: <laughs> a long time pretty much like most of my life i've had insomnia I either have insomnia or i wake up 30 times a night it's either one or the other that's it
0: <laughs> how, how, how how many hours of sleep do you get a night i'm curious
4: so i mean if you count like legit sleep maybe about five hours Oh, about okay. that, yeah. So I mean, it like it, sometimes I can fall asleep, but I'm waking up a lot, or I can't hey, fall asleep. I'm asleep right now. <laughs> <laughs> Glad I could help out, there, Sarah.
0: <laughs> there you go. Sarah, what about you? Are you uh, does Does this whole daylight savings time thing uh, annoy you? Or are you okay they, with it?
4: I, I hate daylight savings
6: time because <laughs> I used to, you know, years and years ago in another century, I actually worked on Global Morning News. And springing yeah. forward was just a horror show. Brutal. Um, it's just totally brutal. It's falling back, I couldn't have been happier about. Um, but the thing is, I honestly believe that we should stay on a standard time. I know that a lot of people want to stay on, on daylight savings time because they like it being lightened later in the day. But honestly, if you want your kids walking to school in the, December in the dark because that's what will yeah. happen, right? It's uh, it's still dark now after 8 o'clock. So if you keep that up, And we kept on daylight savings time. I mean, it would be pitch black at 9 a.m. when kids have already, you know, gone to school. Yeah. Nobody needs that. I mean, I'm fine with it on the longest day of the year getting dark at like 8.45 as opposed to 9.45. It's not going to change anybody's world, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think Leah actually raises a very good point. Uh, I don't have the numbers before me, but when you look at traffic accidents or pedestrians being struck. Six
4: percent more. Yeah. Risk of fatal traffic accidents, Eat. Eat.
0: and
6: I'm and I'm <laughs> betting probably with the fall back, it's not as bad because people are getting more sleep. But but the forward is brutal. And the other thing which really annoyed me is when they made the difference the time like the uh the changeover happened in second like this weekend in November and then the second the second Sunday in March. I'm born in the first week of March every five or six years, I lose an hour on my birthday, which is <laughs> what. Bad. I know, right? So I wake up, I'm exhausted because it's an hour later than it's supposed to be, and I
4: only get 23 (laughs) hours to be all about me. Now, I like the one thing of going back when you were going to clubs because then you, you know, clubs yes. closed it too. Well, guess what? And I get another hour, right? <laughs> that was the yeah. one good
0: we, thing we had our <laughs> parties. Well, we're supposed to if the U.S. passes everything, uh, November 2023, uh, we should go to, back to the regular time and not have to be switching back and forth. Uh, I thought it, that
6: that was going to be daylight savings that they wanted. Though.
0: Yeah, but but I mean the change we're gonna we've already passed legislation that we would change, right? But but, it's, but we
6: would change and keep it on. Day- daylight savings, isn't it, as opposed to standard time?
0: No, standard time. We were we, Are you
6: sure? Cuz I would I could have sworn that they were saying we're going to keep it on daylight savings, which to me is a disaster. Yeah.
0: I, I can check. I will check for you. It says here it's Sunshine Protection Act is what they call it. You're right. Uh, <laughs> what? and it would say okay. permanent daylight savings time is yes. what it would be. Yes, it, which, you're right.
6: Which I think everybody needs to pull their hair out of their you know what? Because if you want your kids to walk to school in the pitch black in morning, this is what you're going
0: to no. get. Yeah, but I, I still, you know, just the hassle of um, springing forward back, I, I actually just like it. That's why I'm saying. It's standard, brutal on your
6: system, standard
4: time. You know? yeah Yeah. exactly. it's standard time. It, yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. And, uh, but the problem is, I think we're not going to move forward on this until the U.S. decides, right? So
4: We're waiting for them to decide, right? Yeah, is not? I'm, I'm wondering everything? if we can go
0: just without them. Because they do everything for I,
4: us,
6: right? I that's think what... <laughs> we should because they're floating
0: anyhow, so really, why wait around? Exactly. I mean, uh, uh, California, <laughs> if they say, go ahead, go ahead, California. A state to watch. it's the the biggest economy in the world. If they go, will switch pretty quick after that. But, but what it's
6: some the if some of them go to daylight savings switch. time? I think if they go to daylight savings time, though, I think everybody will think twice after that first year when it's pitch black in the morning, and it'll be like, oh, maybe we shouldn't have done that. I don't think people oh, have God. really thought that part of it <laughs> through.
0: Well, I think they're, I think they're done with it, and they just want to move forward. And uh, it is what it is. All right, folks. Well, guess what? Martin Scorsese, Francis Ford Coppola, have all recently expressed uh, scorn at the growing dominance of superhero movies in the commercial cinema, with Scorsese saying that the Marvel film universe is not cinema. Uh, he went on to say I don't think that cinema. Uh, he said I, uh, that I've tried to watch a few of them and they're not for me. They seem to me to be closer to the theme park than they are to movies. Now remember Scorsese has directed classics like The Irishman as well as criti- critically heralded classics like Taxi Driver and Goodfellas. Francis Ford Copeland the director behind The Godfather for instance uh, called the um, uh, Avengers franchise despicable. So <laughs> none of these <laughs> filmmakers have time for Avengers, uh, Wonder Woman, and all these other uh, superhero movies. Um, Sarah, let me go to you first and foremost. Do you watch, have you watched any of these superhero movies?
6: No. No, I've not watched <laughs> any of them. And I've only seen the very first Star Wars. And that was it for me. Um, so, yeah, I, I have. I have no idea about any of these movies. I don't follow them. I I I'm, I know that there's a very devoted fan base for them. That I would prob, probably am probably insulting by saying I don't care about Superman, Batman, Iron Man, any of the men, any of the women for that matter. I would actually be I I haven't seen um uh the uh what is it the one that's coming out next week the Wakanda one. I haven't seen the first one. I would actually be really interested in seeing that because that seems like it's a very interesting story and I could probably get into that. But otherwise. Yeah
0: yes black panther i think you're talking black about Black Panther. Yeah. i was afraid
6: yeah. i was going to mess up the name black panther i haven't seen the original one yeah and i know that the, totally the, the new one is coming out next week i i can get behind that because it seems like it was actually people actually enjoyed it for the storytelling as opposed to all the special effects so i think that that if i was going to watch a superhero movie
4: that would be the one that i would watch
0: Leah, what about you do you do you watch them do you have any time for them
4: I do. Black Panther, by the way, an amazing movie. Love, love, love That's that what one. I heard. That's the thing, Absolutely. Yeah. You, you won't be disappointed if you watch that, yeah. Sarah. But do you uh, think... That's what, I, that's what I've heard, Woman. yeah. And Wonder Woman, the um, first Wonder one, was Woman, really good, too.
6: Yeah. Uh, Linda, Linda, <laughs> what's
4: her nose? Is it
6: underneath? Oh, the You're going way the, back. That's uh, way. That's started. old school.
0: That's old school. <laughs> but I, for
6: uh, me? Don't make me hit you.
0: <laughs> no, but do you Sorry, worry about, about the like, like mid-budget <laughs> movies, the ones that actually have human being beings interacting with each other, uh, talking about well, like, real-world issues? Like the
4: rom-coms. I think. I think yeah. rom-coms are not going to be in movie theaters anymore. I think it's going to just be the big budget. Like I only go to movie theaters to see action movies. Horror movies or suspense movies. I do see the. I do see like superhero movies. I've seen most of them. Yeah. It just seems like the last few years, myself, I haven't gone. I think I've kind of gotten sick of it, and I think a lot of other people are too. They're kind of like, eh, I've seen so many of these. I think we need something new, right? Yeah. The, you know what? You know what changed everything in the world? Mm-hmm. You know what changed everything in the world when I was a kid? The biggest TV
6: was a twenty-five-inch color TV. Now everybody's got a 70 seventy-inch color TV, or you yeah. know, like monster TVs, surround sound. TVs. You, you, went, you went and watched a movie, even a rom-com in the theater, and it was like it was really the experience. Now you can watch those movies that are not reliant on special effects and all that kind of stuff at home and get the same amount of enjoyment. I can totally understand why people that are wanting to see special effects, superhero movies, and all that kind of driven stuff that really has the, you know, that big screen, that you need to have that big screen feeling for going to the theater, but for the the movies that are much more, you know, more like you know, the rom-coms, the, the crime dramas, et cetera, that don't rely on that kind of stuff. I think people are happy to watch that at home.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I, I just wonder where's the next Taxi Driver? Where's the next Godfather? Exactly. Right? Like those are the I ones. I did like in, The
6: Irishman. I did watch that on yeah, Netflix. That that's it. Good.
0: And maybe that's that where good. you where you watch watch them all. Yeah, I was just <laughs> I was doing some research <laughs> on this before we got on the air. Like there like there isn't enough male. Uh, superheroes. There, Marvel. By the way, is looking at a new character called Wonder Man because we have wonder a Wonder man. Woman. Yeah, Wonder Man.
6: What?
0: This is the okay, absurdity well, well, of it all. A
6: wonder Woman. What's going on?
0: Like, we can't have just a Wonder Woman. No, we have to Wonder yeah. Man. Like, we don't have enough male superheroes. Right. How, I guess.
6: And how how sensitive all these poor boys? Oh my goodness, there's Wonder Woman. My male <laughs> ego. I gotta have Wonder Man. That just sounds probably they only wonder, wonder Boys oh, That's no. probably the big problem right there. Put uh, on a wonder
0: problem, boys, and call I it know. a day. <laughs>
6: exactly.
0: Hey, they
6: but, have a wonder jock. So that's they
0: don't right. Oh, <laughs> they don't. Uh, on that note, hey, before I go, I, I just wanted to read a, a text we just got uh, from one of our Uh-oh. listeners, Barbie. She says, Uh-oh. I, I live for the know. rap on Fridays. Best thing on NW. <laughs> <laughs> Wish it was a longer segment. So, Sarah, oh. Leah, thank you so much. <laughs> We're never
6: leaving, Barb. <laughs> yeah. We're never leaving. We're <laughs> <laughs>
0: never leaving. That's right. Hey, have a wonderful weekend, ladies. Thank you so you much. You too, guys. Take care. Bye, guys i got to tell you, I was not uh, looking forward to this segment. (laughs) Uh, You know, in this business, um, the news business and the current affairs business, uh, we're used to deadlines. You work very closely with people. You're in the heat of battle every day, meeting deadlines, trying to get interviews done. You work very closely. You get to know people. Uh, And uh, and with that, uh, what that means is every day um, you work very closely. Uh, You build a bond. Uh, You know, you become friends. Uh, at work outside of work uh, and one of our team members that you know very well our contributor john jang this is his last day at work and uh, he joins us now hello john
7: hey good afternoon
0: jazz good uh, afternoon my uh, friend yeah. uh i i didn't well, I'm not, i wasn't looking forward to this i gotta tell you <laughs> I gotta tell you yeah. um, i'm very happy for you uh, i really am so let's talk a little bit about first um, uh, where you're headed to
7: yeah, yeah. I mean, um, thank you. It's it's been a whirlwind of the past uh, a couple of weeks here, but uh, I, I did announce uh, with uh, you guys privately, with the the show here, Stephen, you and Ryan, um, that I had uh, submitted my my notice, and uh, I'll be I'll be leaving. In fact, not just the Jazz Joe Hall Show and CKNW, but I'll be leaving radio. Uh, altogether, whether or not that 's forever, who knows, never <laughs> say never, right, but uh, my next journey in life is going to take me into the translink media relations team, actually uh-huh. into the uh, wonderful world of communications and it's it 's a big change admittedly, but it 's one that I am excited for that i 'm happy about, and um, you know it's it 's a little scary and and little Anxiety-inducing, but uh, I feel like I'm doing it for all the right reasons. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're
0: joining an organization first of all that uh, impacts tens and thousands mm-hmm. of users every day, uh, uh, from the SkyTrain itself, the bus service, and it's integral part of our sort of the arteries of the Lower Mainland. So you're going to a wonderful uh, organization. But let's, let's touch a little bit about, you know, what you do every day. Um, you know, what I love about your talent is you come in, you you put together real fun pieces, but sometimes in the middle of our show, because the shows are so fast moving, we'll say, hey, this just happened, why don't you come on and chat with me about it? Your versatility uh, has always impressed me, my friend. Uh, You are a consummate broadcaster. Like, you know, if you've done this a while, you can just see the natural folks who just know what they're doing, and you, sir, are a natural. And I'm not just saying that, I really do mean that. And it has been an absolute pleasure um, getting to know you. Mm -hmm. I've been here just over a year now, uh, to getting to know you, and just... um, um, just watching you, just a, a fantastic job for this show and for CKNW as well. Yeah. I hope you know how appreciative I am and all of us on this team, stephen Ryan, Phil, all of us, of all the other shows, how appreciative we are of you, not only as a broadcaster, but as a human being. You're just yeah. a fabulous guy. We, we, we're going to miss you, my friend. Uh,
7: thank you. I mean, that really does mean a lot. i um, I've had just an incredible amount of privilege and uh, good graces to be able to work with uh, people like you guys and and jazz. It was uh, honestly a career highlight to launch the jazz Joe Hall show with you just uh, a summer ago, really. And, Mm -hmm. and uh, I feel like we've come such a great long way since, and I know you guys have such a big bright future ahead and I can't wait to see uh, the peaks of the jazz Joe (laughs) Hall show uh, just around the corner. But um, truthfully, I mean, everybody in this building, you know, it's, it's been so great to be able to learn from the likes of Jill. Yeah. and and Mike and Simi and all the other producers out here. And to have the uh, the opportunities that were afforded to me by leaders in this building, like Catherine and Sarah and John O'Dowd before that, like it's just been incredible, my my couple of years here at CKNW. And I, honestly, I'm very lucky because Jazz, as you know, very few of us in this industry can have an opportunity to do what I'm doing right now and say goodbye and say thank you. Mm-hmm. And uh, the fact that uh, I'm, I'm even able to do this, I think it just... Um, it means a lot. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, so many people that I've had to thank, uh, you, you know, you speak about my versatility, but that's just the result of me having been surrounded by just incredible professionals, not just here at NW, but throughout all the stops I've made in my in my radio career, starting in music, <laughs> moving into sports radio, and now here I am at CKNW. Like, if you had told the BCIT student John Jang yeah. um, 12 years ago <laughs> that he would be doing a sign-off at CKNW for his final day in radio he would have laughed in your face because yeah. there's no way an immature younger version of me um, with far less fashion sense than even what I have right now <laughs> would ever have believed that this would be even close to remotely possible. So thank you.
0: Hey, you know. thank you. We've got uh, our team here is Ryan, the hall uh, who is off today, but he's joining us right now <laughs> who has worked very closely with you as well. Uh, Ryan, what did you want to say?
8: Uh, well, first of all, John, I'm going to need you to fix the XO line. <laughs> that is number one on that list I take that thing every day We need some upgrades on that one But no, look, I first met John I was young and, you know, full of life I was his intern, actually I was in my early 20s here when I first met John And and now he's leaving us I'm now older, I'm now wiser And I think because I got a chance to work with John Not only so many years ago, but also on this show He's sort of part of the reason why even I am where I am here um, Today, you know John always just such an infectious personality and just it was always so good to see John every morning. And just have those chats during our, our um, morning meetings and from the debates that we had on air about you know, who is Vancouver's <laughs> baseball team, the Blue Jays. The Mar- you know it's, it's the Mariners. Uh, it I'll
7: never let that one go.
8: We know it's Toronto. We know it's <laughs> Toronto. I'll give you the Mariners for today here. But still, okay. John, you know what? 100% definitely going to miss you, but uh, ah. so happy for Opportunity here for
7: you. Thank you, man. Uh, it means a lot. I mean, yeah. Ryan's absolutely right. He was a he was a young intern when I first met him, and now he's blossomed into a, a great broadcaster. And he's gotten so tall, Jazz. I keep saying this. The guy is just growing, and I and I, I know the best is yet to come for a guy like him as well.
0: Absolutely. Well, let's go to our producer, uh, Stephen Chang. Stephen uh, has been producing this show now I think, for two, maybe three years three months sorry he has just started he's doing a fabulous job although we do challenge and question his uh, taste in movies once in a while uh
9: but uh, he joins us now steve would you want to say a few words oh give me a moment hang on okay okay uh yeah no it's 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 hard to lose john you know uh it's funny because my very first day at CKW, the first person i kind of directly worked with was john because it was to help produce the show when uh, you were away and bruce was filling in so Mm -hmm. uh I think it's it's kind of come full circle where like my first day was with John and I'm here I am saying goodbye to him on his last day and you know what John like I can honestly say there's nobody that can replace you on this show or even CKW like you just bring such a unique energy to like everything you do and I, I like we've had some fun moments in the show like I've only known you for like a few months but I mean look we've bonded in such an intimate way where we uh, experienced period pain that's together. right <laughs> It's still sticking right here, and uh, you know, despite uh, our differences in movies, I still stand by the fact that Avatar sucks. But you know what, John, you're a smart individual, man, and I appreciate you. <laughs> Thank you. And I look Thank up to you. you, honestly. Like listening to all your segments, I just try to learn every single time of like what can I do better in radio. <laughs> uh, and uh, <laughs> my
7: my my best advice to you is just do everything that I did opposite. Ah, no,
9: uh, not at all. I think opposite, all. but yeah. Thanks, John. You know, thank you so much. You man. Thank you, Stephen.
0: Appreciate Steve, that. Uh, Stephen, as he said, uh, has just started on this show. But uh, another uh, individual who you don't see or hear from very often is Phil Figueredo. He's our technical producer today. Phil has known um, John probably longer than all of us. Phil, fill us in as to when you and John first met.
10: Yeah, if I can speak to the uh, the child of John, I would say, uh, man, this is who. Is it just hot in here? Or is it just yeah, it is. um it Yeah, I've, I've known John since we were about 12 years old. Yeah. And I, I always remember, I tell this story all the time about the first time I met John Jang. And I was, uh, I was new to the neighborhood. I was playing hockey in the back alley by myself. And uh, John didn't need to, but he took his rollerblades and scooted on over and, and said, Hey, man, how's it going? I'm, uh, I'm John. And you look new here. And I'm like, Yeah, actually, I am. And he said, do you mind if I play ro- roller hockey with you in the back alley? And I said, absolutely. You're more than welcome to. And I feel like we played roller hockey in that back alley day after yeah. day after day for And we kept years. a running score. And we did keep a running score. You're what year was right. this? Oh, boy. Uh, well, early I was 2000s. Yeah. I was 12. So, yeah, early 2000s, wow. maybe 2003. So this was in Langley? Uh,
0: Cloverdale Cloverdale Cloverdale. Cloverdale. that's when you guys first met that's right
10: yeah and uh, and honestly like we went to the same high school together John's a year younger than I am Um, we you know had a great high school and then obviously everyone kind of goes their own ways after high school and randomly ran into John one day and he said that he was doing radio and I've said I've always been wanting to to get into radio and he's like you know what man you should go for it you should do it you should follow your dreams and you should do it and so at the age of 30 I decided you know what because of John, I'm going to go back to, a, to getting into radio and, and try this thing out and here I am today and honestly I owe everything to John and so uh, John is the kind of person that will give you the shirt off his back and I love you dearly man and wish you all the best. Thank you man, yeah, yeah. I, re- I really appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, is there a particular
0: moment, whether it's here at NW or you, you did a lot of time covering sports as well, is there a particular moment you really were proud of or uh, you really enjoyed?
7: Uh, I think my favorite, most memorable moment in in radio was when I called the Sedins boring and uh, not very fun to watch. And that blew up my phone on Twitter for two days straight, Jazz, because the entire population of British Columbia came down on me. Like the wrath of Thor and and the hammer of Odin, whatever it is. Stephen knows better about this stuff than I do. But yeah, that would probably be it. But it, it helped me put my name on the map in the sports world so to speak so that would that would probably stand out as one of those moments but you know everything it was concerts interviewing many different people of all different backgrounds getting access to things that most people just don't have the opportunity to do but
8: uh
7: you know more than anything jazz i'll I'll just remember the listeners because again what we do on the radio is so meaningless if we don't have the passionate listeners who are not just nodding along with some of the things we're saying but also shaking their heads sometimes because we might not be right and it's so great when they're willing to call us out and give us some calls and emails and just let us know we're listening because, again, none of this matters without them.
0: Yeah. So. Well, John, from all of us here at CKNW, we're so incredibly proud of you. Very happy for you. Um, Trans- TransLink's got a really good one, my friend. Thank they're you. are very lucky to hire you. And uh, don't be a stranger. Don't be a stranger. You, you stay in touch with us, and uh, you know where to find us, my friend. So all the best to you. Thank you, Jazz.